Hello, friends, and welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us. If this is your first time listening or you'd just like to reach out, feel free to shoot an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. We're studying a letter written by a guy named Paul sent to the Colossians in the mid-first century. Paul's letter to this church is about a big Jesus for life's big problems. And the big idea that we're studying this week is marriage. This is one of the most controversial pieces of scripture in today's culture, but in order to do marriage kingdom style, we need to figure out what it's all about. Here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Patterson. I've asked uh, some guys to kind of step on in here and pass out some earplugs. So come on up, guys. Uh, I know that's a little weird, but there are a couple parts of this sermon I don't want some of you guys to hear. You'll understand in a couple of minutes. Just don't put the earplugs in yet. Okay, hold on. Uh, I'll prompt you when it comes due to that time because you need to hear the rest of this part as well. So, uh, before I get going here, John told me to tell a joke and I'll go ahead and tell one joke. This is from Sutphin. If you don't like it, if you think it's inappropriate, talk to him. Okay? Um, you guys enjoy Daylight Savings this morning? Wasn't that cool? All right. You know the only people who aren't enjoying it this morning are the Baptists in town because the Baptists uh, saved their day last year and once saved, always saved. <laughs> it's not my joke. I thought it was tasteless too. Okay, guys, it's uh, been a while since I made some of you guys really mad. Mad enough that uh, maybe you want to completely tune out or even walk out. Right now, we've actually got a 4.9 rating on Facebook. I think that's going to drop a little after today. <laughs> Although I do hope, seriously, that I am not the one today who's doing the provoking. I hope I'm just speaking plainly for God. I hope this is what God wants you to hear. I guess you're going to have to be the judge of that. There are some Christian ideas that have almost achieved the status of cultural profanity. And the two verses we're going to dig into today contain one of our worst, they think, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says, wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And then he says, husbands, love your wives, never treat them harshly. Now that second verse really doesn't bother most people anymore, but that first part sounds flat out oppressive and regressive and tyrannical, kind of a remnant of a past best forgotten, right? That's how it's viewed culturally. In fact, that's how it's viewed by some of you guys. What if it is God's way? What if it works? What if God's way works better than the way that our culture does it? Their way isn't working. What if we at least give it a fair shot? Maybe God is not as oppressive and regressive and tyrannical as sometimes we think he is. Now, believe it or not, the wives submit part was not the controversial part in Paul's world. That was pretty much assumed. It was the husband's love your wife part that was so revolutionary. Let me show you. Back in that day, archaeologists tell us that houses were quite simple. Most were just a single story, flat roof. The rooftop was dad's domain. If the family was wealthy enough to have two stories on their house, the upstairs would be dad's domain. And the architecture kind of reflected the hierarchy that they had relationally, emotionally, spiritually. The man was on top. His family, wife and kids were literally under his feet. He could invade their domain at his will. They could not invade his domain without his permission. 
In fact, in parts of that world, the wife was legally his property, just like his real estate and his cattle. So she had few personal rights. Sometimes they could, the guy could even sleep around. That was permitted. She couldn't. He could divorce her. She couldn't divorce him. If he was a good man, they might form a functional family. If he wasn't, well, ladies, historically, you should be very, very glad that Jesus came along. Because Jesus started treating women with the value and the respect that they deserve as daughters of God. And his followers, guys like Peter and Paul, kept that going. In fact, the Apostle Paul, we're going to be reading in one of his other letters this morning, but he said that in Christ, in Christ, there's no male, no female, we're one in significance, in worth, in value. Therefore, husbands, love your wives. Love them. Never treat them harshly. Because that'd be a violation of who you are as a man of God. That'd be a violation of who she is as a daughter of God. They're not your property and they're not just your wives. They are daughters of God. So treat them right. Now that kind of talk was revolutionary in that world. But even knowing all that, this wives submit and husbands love just doesn't seem quite balanced to a lot of us. Till you dig a little, perhaps. I dug around a little bit years ago and discovered a couple of things. And I'm going to show you in a couple of minutes why. But when Paul says submit, he is emphasizing the idea of respect. Respect, he's saying, why does God want you to respect the man you chose to marry? And actually, if that's what Jesus' followers do, revolutionize some marriages. And it's something we're all supposed to do to each other anyway, to respect each other, even to submit to each other, according to Paul. Here's the second piece. Guys, I don't care what you've been told. God made guys and ladies different. I used to think, grew up being taught, that the differences between us were primarily cultural. They're just a result of the way that we were raised. Science has not validated that. More and more people are beginning to realize that a lot of our differences are built into us by God. Men and women are neither different, I mean, neither better nor worse than each other, but we are flat out different. Now, when I was studying this stuff one time, I came across this tidbit. Did you know that as a rule, women tend to hunger for love and men tend to hunger for respect? Now, I know that men want to be loved and women want to be respected. But as a rule, the need to feel loved is more powerful in women and the need to feel respected is more powerful in men. And Paul is saying this, guys, give your wives what they're longing for. Love them. And our wives, give your husbands what they're longing for. Respect them. He's not talking so much about rank. He's talking about recognizing and meeting our partner's basic needs. Basically, he's telling us as Jesus followers, quit being so self-absorbed, so self-centered. Learn what she needs and make her a queen. Learn what he needs and make him a king because it's not about you. Now, the cultural wars between guys and ladies have been all over the map just in my lifetime. When I was little, there was a pretty much a clear hierarchy that was assumed. Men rule. They rule in the home. They rule in the workplace. In the 60s and the 70s, it came to be egalitarianism. 
Ladies and guys are equal in everything. They're equal in value, equal in rights, equal in abilities, equal in roles. And any differences between us, we were taught, were planted there by nurture, right? Not nature, not God, we thought. And then some Jesus followers began pushing back a little bit with complementarianism. Yeah, guys and ladies are equal in value and equal in rights, but God gave us different abilities. And because of that, he gave us different roles and we were built to complement each other. A lot of our neighbors hate that. In fact, it's become culturally fashionable to question whether God actually assigns gender or not. Whole notion of marriage defined as a union between a biological male and a biological female has been rejected by many including maybe even by most of our kids. So, this morning I'm going to make you mad, although I really hope it's God's spirit who's ruffling your feathers. I don't want to misrepresent him. We're in the second half of a little study that we're doing in a, Paul, a letter that Paul wrote to us, some Christians in a town called Colossae. In the first part of the letter, he talks about Jesus and about how amazing Jesus is. In the second half, he starts unpacking what living like a Jesus follower is supposed to look like. Last week was about relationships in general. How do you do relationships, kingdom of God style? Next week, we're going to talk about parents and kids, how to be a parent, kingdom style, how to be a kid, kingdom style, and this week is about marriage, kingdom style. And we need this stuff, guys, because uh, we crave the intimacy of marriage. God gave us this drive to partner in marriage, and we're lousy at it. We're flat out lousy at it. Marriage was thought of by God. It's a gift from our God. But the way that we do it, it doesn't come close to being the life-giving gift that God meant it to be. So here it is. Wives, submit to your husbands. This is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives. Never, ever, ever treat them harshly. Guys, what's the key word for us down here? What's the key word for us? Anybody? Love. Love them, right? Ladies, what's the key word for you? I figured you'd have a hard time saying it, right? <laughs> Submit. And as I'm going to try to show you in a couple of minutes, I think it means a whole lot more than I guess God thinks the guy gets to be the boss. I want you to think respect. Now, before I start digging down, who was Paul talking to in verse 18? Who's he talking to? That's marked in yellow. You can read it, right? <laughs> wives. He's talking to the wives. He's not talking to you guys. He's not even talking to all of you ladies. He's talking to wives. Who's he talking to in verse 19? Who? Husbands. Husbands. Yeah. He's not talking to you ladies. And he's not even talking to you guys who aren't married yet. So why is it that so many guys get so worked up over verse 18 when it's not directed to them and so many ladies get worked up over verse 19 when it's not directed to them? Some guys get all worked up. She's not submissive. She's not a submissive wife. Why don't you focus on your part, guys? Some of you ladies get worked up. He's not loving me. He's not loving me the way that God wants him to. Why don't you start focusing on your part? rather than on his. This isn't about a war, a struggle, a contest. Husband trying to force his wife to be submissive and a wife trying to force her husband to be more loving. 
listen, I cannot force my wife to be submissive without being arrested. I've tried. <laughs> my wife can't force me to love her the way she thinks I should. She's tried. These are gifts that we offer our mates when we try to do marriage God's way. So for the next few minutes, I want to talk just to the ladies. This is what the earplugs are for. Guys, pull out your earplugs. Break open the package. Go ahead. Break them open. And what I'd like you to do is just kind of, you know, roll them up in your fingers like that. Stick them in your ears and plug your ears. If you want to take a nap for the next few minutes, do so. Ladies, don't bother them. Okay? If you want to get out your phones, play on your phones, play a game. That is so cool. Right? No elbows, no eye rolls. This part wasn't written to you. It's not going to be up to you to enforce it. In a few minutes, it's going to be your turn, and I'm going to ask the ladies to take out their earplugs, stick them in their ears. Okay? All right. Guys, you're not listening. Ladies, how many of you guys are married? Raise your hand. He's talking to you. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Now pay attention to what it doesn't say. It doesn't say women submit to men. He is not telling all women to submit to all men. And he's not talking to you girls who are dating. Listen, ladies, if some guy that you're dating tells you that you should just submit to him because God says so, dump the twit. He's a jerk. And he's not talking to ladies in the workplace. You can't yank this verse out of its context and argue that a man always needs to be the boss in the workplace. He's talking to wives. He says, this is how I want you to do marriage as a God-honoring woman. Listen, ladies. God didn't force you to marry your husband. Once you did, you committed to respecting him like no other. So you ladies who aren't married yet, if you don't think that you can respect the guy that you're dating, don't marry him. Because you're not going to be able to respect and honor God without doing whatever you can to respect and honor the man that you chose to marry as a woman of God. Now here's something else Paul doesn't mean. Submitting to a husband doesn't mean that a wife always has to obey him. Some of you guys are like, Shoo should hope not, right? Next week, we're going to keep on going in the text, and the next verse we're going to get to is children always obey your parents in the Lord, right? That pleases the Lord. It's a different word. It's a different idea. Now, what I want to show you is, a, is something that's kind of interesting to me. Paul says these same things in a kind of a twin letter over in the letter to the Ephesians, but with a little bit more detail. I'm going to show you what he says over in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 starts out like this. All of you guys, all of you Jesus followers, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, submitting to each other is not just for wives. It's for all of us. We're supposed to put each other first. We're supposed to serve each other. And then he says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. You're supposed to bring into your marriage the kind of attitude that we're supposed to have all of the time with all other believers. For husbands, that means love your wives in the same way that Christ loved the church. So he says, Jesus' followers need to submit to each other. 
put each other first. Serve each other. For wives, this means submit to your husbands. For husbands, this means love your wives God's way. And then he wraps up the whole section in Ephesians like this. Next slide, please. It says, so again I say, where's the, where's the next slide? So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, summarizing it up, and the wife must respect her husband. Huh. So there's something about a wife submitting to her husband that's captured by the word respect. Wives, submit to your husbands. Wives, respect your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Paul's not saying that the man gets to be the big boss over everything, that he gets to make all of the decisions in a marriage, no matter how trivial, no matter what they're about. He's not saying that a wife has to do what her husband wants, even if it's not God's way. We're servants of God first. What God wants for any of us is way more important than what any man or any woman wants us to do. And he's certainly not saying that a woman's less intelligent, less competent than a man, less valuable, less significant than a man. So what's he saying? Here's the first. And I know some ladies hate this part. He's saying that on what should be those extraordinarily rare occasions when two selfless, humble Jesus followers tug in different directions and both directions are God-honoring, it means that you are willing to defer. On any team, there's one head coach. If there's not, there's chaos. In any business, there's one CEO. If he or she goes around making all of the decisions, the business is going to die. But sometimes good people tug in different directions and the CEO gets to make the call. In an army unit, one person makes the final call. It's on him. In politics, the buck stops somewhere. So why would it surprise us if God says, if a marriage is going to be healthy, on those, I hope, rare occasions when two selfless Jesus followers tug in different directions, ladies, you take the lead in deferring. Because ladies, if your marriage has devolved into a power struggle, it's sick. We Jesus followers are all about submitting to each other in love. So, do that. Here's the second thing Paul is saying, I think. I think it means that ladies are called to respect their husbands. And we are lousy at respect in our world. Maybe because the world really doesn't understand what respect means, Kingdom of God style. I looked up the word respect in the Urban Dictionary, which kind of says what most people think, I think. And it says respect is earned. It's never given, just. It says no one owes you respect until you've earned it. That's awful. And that's why we're terrible at it. That's why our kids are clueless about respect. You know why your kids are clueless about respect? Because we parents are terrible at it. And we hurl sarcasm and sass and ridicule and criticism at each other. In fact, we treat disrespect like it's a spiritual gift. It's no wonder that our kids are clueless. Wives disrespect their husbands. Husbands disrespect their wives. We disrespect the police, politicians, teachers, bosses, elders, colleagues, neighbors. We live in a culture of disrespect, and that disrespect has infected the people of God. And it is not God's way. 
We are commanded by God to respect our parents, to respect the elderly, to respect God. Husbands are commanded by God to respect their wives, and wives are commanded by God to respect their husbands. In fact, the Apostle Peter says, show respect for everyone. That is countercultural. So why would Jesus' following wives find it so offensive when Jesus tells them to respect their husbands? Never to denigrate, never to embarrass, no husband bashing, treating your husband like he's a man, not a child, especially in front of others, especially, especially in front of your kids. Learning what his needs are and meeting them, putting his needs above your desires. Way too often, Jesus' following wives are more concerned about being treated as a princess or queen than they are about treating their husbands like a king. Do you think some respect would revolutionize our relationships? While most people in our world fight to get respect, we Christians are supposed to figure out ways to give respect. In fact, we're supposed to honor somebody even when we recognize their flaws, even when they don't deserve it. And that's hard, isn't it? It's really, really hard to respect a guy when you know his weaknesses. When we were dating, my wife thought I was nearly perfect. That was 45 years ago. It's hard to hide your flaws when you share the same bedroom and bathroom for 45 years. And in case you're trying to calculate how old we are, we were married at nine. <laughs> so husbands, wives, or wives that is, how are you doing? Are you respecting your husband? I'm going to give you a little test, self-test. You don't have to write anything down. Are you guilty of any of these things? I express admiration for other men more than for my husband. Be honest. Maybe a relative, a friend, someone at church. Did you know that when you go on and on about another guy, it can tear your husband's heart? I tend to belittle, criticize my husband. Again, be honest. Especially in front of other people. Even worse, in front of the kids. Nothing is more disrespectful. Nothing can demoralize a man faster. I rarely compliment my husband. Even for ordinary things like going to a job that he doesn't particularly enjoy just so he can support you and the kids. Respecting a man means that you look for the things that he does well. Maybe even brag about them to others. I tend to pressure him until he does what I want. You know what that's also called? Nagging. It's disrespectful. I turn trivial things into major arguments. You realize, don't you, that oftentimes we guys don't give the same weight to things that you do. And so sometimes to a guy, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. I tend to question his explanations for things or his way of doing things. Hmm. Did you know that it's disrespectful to routinely question our judgment? I do a lot of complaining. Maybe it's about its schedule or lack of time with the kids or the lack of help around the house. Have you ever considered the possibility that the complaining is part of the problem? I tend to point out how insensitive he is. No kidding. Bottom line, ladies, guys just aren't as sensitive or as intuitive as you are. And even when we try, 
we're not going to be very good at it. Ladies, your husbands need your respect. In fact, you will not convince him you love him unless he feels your respect. And it's God's way. Okay, if the guys have been cheating, right, and they've been listening, you know what's coming next. If they haven't been cheating, they got the ear things, ladies, go ahead and tell them, take it out. And you get yours out, right? Roll it up. That's how you do it. You roll it up like that. You stick it in your ear until it punctures something. Then you just let it go. And it'll fill up so that you can't hear as well. All right? Now, lady, your turn. You can take a nap if you want. You can play on your phone. Just don't bug your husbands because they need to hear this part. No elbows, no eye rolls. This wasn't written to you. And it's not up to you to enforce this. This is between your husbands and God. Okay. Here's what Paul tells us husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Never, ever, ever treat them harshly. No excuses. Now this shouldn't surprise us. I mean, Jesus gave us two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember that one? And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And shouldn't that start with your wife? And then later on, just before I went to heaven, Jesus said, I want you to love each other in the same way, with the same kind of love that I've loved you. Wouldn't that start with our wives? Selfless love. So why would any Jesus-following guy ever push back when he says, Husbands, love your wives. And never treat them harshly. But we do. Sometimes we do with one of these profanities. I don't love her anymore. I don't love her anymore. You ever thought that? You ever said something like that? Sometimes a jerk will even say that to his wife's face. I just don't love you anymore. Or this one. I stopped loving her because she just became too hard to love. My wife isn't lovable now. Or this one, I never really loved you. Really? Are you that clueless as to what love means for a Jesus follower? You see, very much like the word respect, the word that we use to describe the love between a husband and a wife has changed its meaning. Our world defines love by what we feel in our pants. I don't love you anymore means that the spark isn't there any longer. Loving is taking too much work. It's too hard. Usually means there's someone else. I find someone else more lovable, more attractive than you. Listen, guys, when Jesus tells us to love each other as I have loved you, when he tells a man to love his wife, he's not talking about your pants. He's talking about your will. God didn't make you choose your wife. Once you did, if you're a Jesus follower, you committed to loving her for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and in health, to love her, to cherish her, till death do you part. It's a promise you made. If you never really loved her, if you don't love her anymore, if you just find her unlovable, if you find someone else more lovable than her, you are in rebellion against God. You cannot love and honor God when you're not loving and honoring your wife. So husbands, love your wives. Never ever treat them harshly.
And we guys can violate this in so many different ways. Sometimes some guys will actually get dominant, domineering, controlling. We think it's our right to get our way. Even though we are told to submit to one another in love, that goes for us too, guys, not just our wives. And a Jesus follower will do whatever he can to elevate his wife as a daughter of God. And I know that sometimes guys even get physically intimidating. There are some guys who will actually body up to their wife. Shame on you. Yell at her, call her names, even cuss at her. Sometimes they go so low as to even do that in front of other people, sometimes even in front of the kids. They're jerks. Sometimes we guys are way better at criticism than praise. We see everything that a woman does wrong, we're blind to the things that she does right. And that's messed up. And sometimes we guys refuse to distinguish between her mistakes and her sins. When she messes up, guys, and it's not on purpose, just get over it. That was last week. When she sins, forgive her. That was last week, too. Bottom line, guys, your wife needs to know that you love her from the bottom of your heart, that you would die for her like he died for us. She needs to feel valuable, that she is more important to you than your mother, than your children, than your friends, than your secretary, than your job, than your hobby, than anything else in your life except for God. When she's hurting, she needs your comfort. Sometimes she needs your comfort more than your explanations in your lectures. She needs open lines of communication. She needs you to talk to her, which for some of us is not easy. She needs you to listen, and you need to respect her too. She needs to know that her opinions matter to you. She needs your praise. She needs to know that she is a valuable part of your life. She needs to know that you will protect and defend her. She needs to be held often, just to be near you. No ulterior motives. She needs to see your eyes light up. She needs to see your eyes sparkle when you see her. And she needs you to be the kind of man that her son can follow and that her daughter could marry. Guys, God wants us to provide a safe, loving, healthy, generous, life-giving home for his daughters. What kind of man do you want for your daughter? You be that man for your wife. How do you want your daughter treated by her husband? You treat your wife that way. Never forget, she's your wife, but she's God's kid. Never forget that. Okay, guys, you can pull these things out. This is for both of you now, husbands and wives. You might want to hang under the earplugs. Remember, just sit it somewhere. Remember, there are things you. This is not for you to enforce, right? You focus on your part. You don't focus on your husband or your wife's part. Maybe there'll be a reminder that your job is to do your job, not to police your partner. Guys, your job is not to make your wife submissive. Your job is to love her. Ladies, your job is not to make your husbands love you the way you want them to. Your job is to respect him. And if you both do your jobs well, you will have an amazing marriage, kingdom style.
Our God is such a realist. He knows it's going to be hard. He knows that we're all going to stumble and fall a lot, which is why he says this first. This is what he said last week. It's what we studied. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults, and you must forgive anyone who offends you, including your mate. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Now, keeping that stuff in mind, wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. And you can have a great marriage. Next week, it's going to be about parents and kids. Would you pray with me? Father, sometimes your words are hard. They go against what we would have preferred you say. Sometimes we discover that you're smarter than we are. And that if we'll do life your way, life will be better, not worse. Give us the courage and the wisdom to be children of God. Give us the wisdom to do life as you'd have us live it. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.